Child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. I just, I think I just knocked myself off the live, man. These, I wait on, just tagged all these people for nothing. Okay. Wow. Oh, well, we're going to go live, man. Just had a bunch of people tuned in, and uh, I knocked myself out of the live. I hope y'all come back, man. I just have a couple things to say, a few minutes. All right. Thank you for coming back, whoever that is, man. I appreciate that. Jesus, man. Had quite a few people jump in, and then uh, I knocked myself out of the live. What the... All right, man. All right, all right, all right. We're picking on back up. Thank y'all, thank y'all. Just got a couple of things, man, really quick, man. Won't be long. Just want to touch on, you know, give you guys an update, um, updated perspective, my updated perspective. Good morning, good morning, good morning, man. Josh, what's up? California love, what's up, baby? How you doing? All right, man. Thank you so much for tuning in, man. I really appreciate it, man. Man, I tagged a bunch of people on, on the uh, other live and had a bunch of people coming on, and then I knocked it off. So I don't know. Hopefully, they'll come back. But uh, I just have a few things this morning, man. Number one, right? How y'all doing? Hello, hello, hello. This is your boy, Matt B. As always, coming to you live every Thursday, a little bit later this week. But uh, but um, thank you. Thank you, Vito Sheely. What's up, everybody? A little bit later this week, but um, I had a commitment at my job this morning, man. I could not miss. So, how are y'all doing, man? How are you guys? Are you guys taking care of yourself? How are you emotionally? Uh, how are you dealing with this trauma? This trauma is real. I think uh, what we're going through as a nation is 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 real. The trauma behind it is real. I think uh, we have to acknowledge that. I have to be honest with myself, Uh I was traumatized before George Floyd, but I think George Floyd really pushed me over the edge. That image was just so real and so raw that it just reminds you of how far our country still has to grow, man, and the things that we still have to uh, deal with as a nation, man. So uh, take care of yourself, man. Make sure you're taking care of yourself, man. And um, I was, uh, like I said, I was in a really bad place for a minute, man, and I moved into action when I realized, man, that the world was watching, man, the world is watching us. The world is saying enough is enough. So that kind of refueled me. And then I went out to my first march and I saw the faces in the crowd, man. These are our children, black, white, Latino, Asian. These are our children saying enough is enough and we want to lend our voice. So that fueled me back into action, right? But the emotions were so real, man, that I zoned out. And I actually missed a town hall meeting in my with my company <laughs> with like 30 people on it. And I was called upon several times that I was MIA because I was sleeping in my bed after like four or five nights of just no sleep with this emotion. I finally just crashed with my laptop uh, in my lap, man. And my wife tucked me in. She didn't know I was missing a whole Zoom meeting. But nevertheless, I was able to kind of refocus. And what I realized, right, is that there were a lot of voices in that moment 
that needed to be heard, right? There were a lot of things that needed to be said. And at, I'm used to talking. I speak all the time. But what I realized is there was just value in this moment in just listening. So I just stepped back and I listened, man. And I'm so thankful that I did because it taught me so much, man. Stepping back and listening to the people, I realized that, wow, man, first of all, we have some really qualified people out there, man. We have some really trained people out there. We have some leaders. I'm really proud of my generation. There's some people in my generation that are really stepping up. They don't really have a title. They don't have this. They don't have that, but they're stepping up and they're leading and they're, they're making their... uh self, their, their presence known in this community at a time like this. So I'm really proud of what I'm seeing as I step back. But again, so many voices need to be heard, so many emotions. Uh, I just saw the value in stepping back and kind of listening and, and sifting through those emotions and finding action, right? So let me see. I want to stay on track. Y'all know I uh, move pretty fast. So Watching this moment and listening to the voices, this is what I learned, right? We have young leaders out there. We have young protesters. The next generation gave me so much hope, man. Our children are saying, we're not going along with this America, man. This is what I'm I'm learning, right? And wow, leaders, man. Speaking of just leaders, man, what about our black women right here in this city, right here in this moment, man? Big shout out to our black women, our sisters out here. Really, really in the forefront leading the way. And I am so uh, thankful, man, that I'm able to watch some of this and learn. So thank you women for what you guys are doing, man. I'm so grateful, man. John Muhammad, thank you for watching, man. Thank y'all. You know, dialogue is happening right now, man. Real dialogue is happening amongst uh, groups of this society that typically don't happen. So I really want to say uh, thank you to, um, big shout out to the Breakfast Club for, Facilitate, facilitating some really awesome dialogue, man. Uh, we are really, really moving. I have to explain something about myself that I learned through this moment, right? Number one, trauma is so real. We all have trauma, right? We all have trauma. I don't even know where this is on my notes, but here it goes. We all have trauma, right? And even like if we move into a position of leadership, Ella K Coffee, what's up, baby? If we move into a position of leadership, that does not eradicate our trauma. So we take that with us. And sometimes our trauma plays out in our leadership style, right? So one thing that I really am taking away from this moment, man, is that our trauma is real. I am in a space now to be able to address my trauma because I work in that field and, and and it opens the door. That conversation is now happening. But so many of us, we're just taught to ignore it, suppress it, overlook it. And we move forward. We're so strong. We're so resilient. We move forward and we produce with this trauma. But it tends to play out in our uh it, it, with people in positions, right? And people with positions of power, it tends to play out negatively and cause division in our community if it is not properly addressed. If trauma is not properly addressed, it will eventually play out and it will eventually play out in how we treat each other as a community. So what mindset I have developed, right? And what I have come to accept is that I have to embrace my own trauma, be comfortable with it, acknowledge it, 
deal with it when it comes up, deal with it accordingly so it doesn't filter over into my relationships with people in the community, right? Now, if if everybody was willing to do that, we'll be okay, we'll be in a good space. So I myself am moving away from Captain Unity and 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 and, and always trying to uh, uh, bring folks together and uh, trying to get out of operating the silos. Listen, I'm retiring from Captain Unity. That's not my job. I want to move into the space of helping or or allowing healing and forgiveness, man. We got to understand that. We got trauma. So it plays up, it plays out in all aspects of our lives. We fight and fight and move and get through and get to positions, but time if if our trauma is not dealt with properly, it will come up at the wrong time. So again, I'm moving away from uh Captain Unity and going healing, man, and forgiveness. And I just ask some of y'all to come with me, man. I just come to that reality that we can't if 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 I'm like if I want to build with you, but or let's let me say it differently, just so it doesn't come off wrong, right? If if you want to build with me, but I'm broken, I can't. I'm not able to build. I'm not gonna be able to build with you if I'm broken. I still need to build up myself, so I have to really accept that some people are not in a space to build with one another, even if they're in positions of power. They're not there. They're not in that place in their life. So I just want to acknowledge that, all right? Normally, when I do my live, everybody still sleeps, so I got dogs barking and everything else, but we're going to keep the show must go on. So, guys, I'm moving away from calling out people and saying this and saying that because when you do that, right, when you call out people, even though it's in the name of trying to create unity, when when uh, when people in a distance are looking and two fools are going at each other, they don't know who the fool is. So I'm moving away from trying to unite folks, man. It's not my job, man. I'm just going to continue to try to build my own capacity and help the people around me that I can help and deal with like-minded folks because they are out there. There's some really talented people out there doing some really, really great work. And I just want to say a shout out to them, man. And I salute all of y'all, man. You know who you are and you really don't even need to be acknowledged because you don't do the work to be acknowledged, man. So I'm really proud of everybody that's really stepping up and standing up for change. And I just want to say thank you again, man. To everybody in their own way that's fighting and, and moving toward this moment, all right? So, all right, I want to just do uh, some quick current events. I'm not going to be on here long, folks. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, but I do generally want to touch on a little bit of history. Then I want to touch on current events. Then I want to follow up with what is coming out of this movement. So, we'll talk about that and then we'll wrap it up, man. I'll get y'all out of there, man. Thank y'all so much for watching. Uh, just want to touch on Juneteenth, which is tomorrow. June 19th. And unfortunately, I have to admit, I was a very uh, uh, mature adult before I really knew about Juneteenth. So I just want to share this briefly uh, as part of our history as we are moving forward. I think it's also very, very important for us to understand where we came from. So I do want to keep history as part of my conversation as well. But I will touch on some of the current events and then I will follow up with some of the uh, progress that has been made uh, in, in terms of next steps with this momentum in this moment we have. But let's touch on history. Juneteenth. Juneteenth is short for June 19th. It marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people were freed. The troops' arrival came a full two 
and a half years after signing the signing of the Emancipation uh, Proclamation, which was signed in 1863. So slaves were not actually freed until three years later. And that it was June 19th when the cavalry rolled in to Texas and said, hey, y'all are free. So that was the actual end of slavery. We didn't really talk much about that in school. We didn't really learn much about that. But Juneteenth is the actual day when the uh, uh, un the military came in, the federal troops came in to the South because many places in the South, even though it was ruled, they still did not eradicate slavery. Good morning, Miss Beatrice. I thank you so much for watching. I appreciate all of y'all for watching, man. But um, at the end of the day, uh, Juneteenth, We'll be celebrating it tomorrow. Again, it is the it marks the day when the federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people are free. So this is three years after the emancipation. Juneteenth was the day when they actually uh, assured that slaves were free. But here we are years later and we're really still in bondage. So we still got a lot of work to do. But Juneteenth is that celebration. I want to share that. That is coming up tomorrow. Very, 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 very disturbing in the news. Two deaths of two black men by hanging. That's ridiculous, man. And I don't know, you know, what's behind it. But the fact that it could very well be an act of racism and retaliation to the Voices that are speaking out against uh, or speaking up for justice is scary, man. Robert Fuller was the sweetest person you know, Tammy Anderson, Fuller's best friend, said this week. He could make two people who didn't like each other sit in the same room. But 24-year-old Fuller was found dead on Wednesday hanging from a tree in a square across from City Hall in Palmdale, California. You know, it just really occurred to me how... How talented and skilled you have to be to hang yourself from a tree. So this is very scary, man, to say the least. Authorities initially said he had died by suicide, but his family and many others are calling for a deeper investigation. My brother was not suicidal, Fuller's sister said. He wasn't. That's what she said. So, wow, we have that. And then 50 miles away, there was another. Uh, uh, Fuller was the second. Okay, hold on. 24 years old. He was the second. There was another Malcolm Harch, 38, that was found outside uh, Liberty. Uh, he was found outside a library in Victoryville, California, about 50 miles away from the other incident. Just 50 miles away, the investigation into his death, but he was found hanging from a tree. And uh, let me see, especially given the manner of Fuller's death, many fear that these, many fear that these were uh, lynchings, man. So dangerous, man. So dangerous, man. Uh huh. Yes, man. Yes, man. Y'all check out Josh Riscate, man. This podcast making a lot of noise, man, about what we're dealing with right now, man. But there was also a third man. The latest development follows a report of another hanging emerged this week, this time in Texas, which is more than 50 miles away, but it's still in the same vicinity, right? And uh, this was a, a Hispanic, described as a Hispanic Caucasian. You can describe me as that, but many people describe me as a flat-out nigga. So let's just be clear. Uh, uh, this is something that is cause for concern, and we'll keep our eye on that, man. Um, lynchings. Real. Not. We do have lynchings going on that are not... Uh, 
acted out by hanging from a tree, but by police violence. Derek Thomas, thank you for watching. But now we are dealing with potentially real hanging from a tree lynching. So, folks, we cannot let this momentum, we cannot let this energy die down. Then also, Rashard Brooks' video, you know, enough videos. Here's another video of uh, a police shooting a, 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 an unarmed man that was acting erratic because he was drunk. Again, when you can bring in a serial killer that has killed over 10 people, a mass shooter, and you can bring him into custody safely, you should be able to bring a drunk person into custody safely. I'm glad, I'm glad this cop has swiftly been brought to justice and uh, is being charged with murder. So again, they're shooting. This is in Atlanta. Uh, they have um, the officers are being charged. So, all right. Follow up. Okay, just an update from the work behind this moment. Okay, what's really happening outside of what you really see on TV? What are are are, are we taking advantage of this? So demands have definitely been developed and are being consolidated right now. Demands were, and that's another thing. You know, information and and stuff was coming from so many different directions. It's confusing. That's another reason why I just want to step back and listen. And when I was listening, I listened to a few people that were presenting their list of demands. These people are on it, man. These people are far further into this work than I am. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm so impressed. And I'm just uh, excited to follow their lead. So, man, you, you guys keep doing what you're doing. But there's definitely a list of demands that is in progress. And elected officials are listening. They're ready. They're ready to listen to these demands. We just can't take our foot off the gas and we can't go cool on it. So definitely that's happening, man. Real people and real demands are absolutely in progress. So that is beautiful because at the end of the day, there's conversations happening right now that just probably wouldn't have happened if these people wouldn't have had to sacrifice their life. So I want to say thank you and, uh, and, and, and to all those that lost a loved one. May we all continue to fight so your loved one's name is not gone and dead in vain. So thank you to all the families that have to deal with the adversity to get us to the point where we're starting to have some real conversations. So that's happening. Authentic conversations, like I said earlier, um, about the dialogue between the community and the police. Big shout out to the Breakfast Club, man. I think those conversations uh, and those platforms, man, they wasn't around a few years ago. People like Jabbar, Brother John, myself, we wasn't on the air talking. So big shout out to those things that are happening, man. And there's so I hate to name names. I'm, not, I'm sorry that I did because there's so many great people out there doing this work. It, I don't want to get into saying the names because then I know I'm going to forget somebody. So, again, forgive me. But just shout out to everybody out there, man, that's doing this great work. I am so impressed. Again, man, y'all, uh, I want to lend my voice and whatever else I can, but I will not, like, uh, <laughs> fit a square peg in a round hole. You know, I, I, I want to get in where I fit in, man. But I thank y'all for the work y'all are doing, man. These conversations uh, that are happening, right? I want to say a shout out to our elders, right? Sometimes we identify problems and 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 inadvertently throw our elders under the bus because we are now looking at progress through a different lens than they were. But I want to say a shout out to our lenders, our elders, man, and our lenders, but our elders that are really paving the way, that have paved the way 
in one way, shape, or form for us to pick the baton up and continue to do the work. So shout out to our elders. And let me clean something up while I, while we're talking about our elders. Uh, shout out to uh, Goliath Davis. He was our first African-American uh, police chief. I misspoke at a, in, in a moment uh, and said that he wasn't. But shout out to Goliath Davis. He was our first African-American police chief. Let me write that wrong pop, pop, publicly, man. So big shout out, man. So we have definitely taking some steps in the right direction. Now, just to follow up on my commitment, with uh, which I made publicly and I asked for the city of St. Petersburg to help me, what I really asked for was all of the uh, accountability mechanisms in place uh, with the Pinellas County, I'm um, excuse me, with the city of St. Petersburg Police Department at this time. And they uh, politely sent me over a starter kit. So I have tons of uh, stuff that I am going to read through that I welcome anybody that's interested in. I will pass some of this information out. I will make copies for you. If you want to get involved in looking at the mechanisms in place, you want to help, you want to help be a voice for that, you want to help monitor that, you want to help get into that, please reach out to me, leave a comment, hit me on Messenger, but I will get this information to you. Like I said, it's tons of it and there's more and um, I want us to take advantage of it because it's hard to build on something when you don't know exactly what's already in place because people will continue to push you over to what's already in place. So I say we look through it very thoroughly, especially now. Um, Mr. The Civilian Police Review is uh, is the first step. And Mr. Lindell Bright is, is, is over that. And he is more than willing to... Uh, sit down. He's going to come on here and talk about some next steps with me. Uh, he just has to run it through his chain of command, but he's willing to really be accessible to the, to the community and your questions. And you can even reach him at 727-893-7292. That is uh, Lindell Bright. His official title is ADA and Diversity Coordinator, but he is also un over the CPRC, which is the C Civilian Police Review Committee. Again, his number is 727-893-7229. What's going to happen is you, you're going to have to leave an email. He's going to leave. He, the message will give you an email, but he will get right back to you. I advise and encourage all of you guys to talk there, brother. Very informative. I know there's things that not everybody's going to be happy with. I know that's just a very... That's a brief starting point, but let's start. Let's get started. Let's get started. Listen, this is, again, this is civics 101 right here, right? This is not like, uh, we service level. This is civics 101, right? So we want rights. We want the doggone police department to treat us right. Well, our responsibility for that right is to find out what's available. So there is stuff available. I want to just touch on it, but again, I will be going through this stuff and uh, doing more videos on it as we get in depth. Miss Russell Collin, thank you for watching. I appreciate that. All right, now, so the Civilian Police Review Committee, all right? This is the, so this is the handout that they give to people like us that uh, are asking. So familiarize yourself with the history uh, of civilian oversight currently. So they're saying this is too familiar. That's what, okay. History of civilian oversight. Residents voiced their concern that the complaint process was a closed operation. Officers were insensitive to citizens whom they were authorized to protect. 
police officers were given exclusive right to exercise physical force and strip persons of their freedoms in order to carry out the law. This is all things that led to them having a civilian review, review committee. Okay. Uh, Police establish policies which affect everyone in the community. There are few checks within law enforcement to protect the interests and the right of citizens. So that's what uh, that's how it came about. Police account. I'm just reading it straight off of the paperwork, and we'll get more in depth. Unc, how you doing, man? Thank you for watching, man. All the way in Fort Pierce. Shout out to my family in Fort Pierce, man. Love them. Love y'all. Love y'all, man. Um, so this is just what's in place, right? Again, we'll get more in depth. We'll dissect it. I invite anybody to this party, anybody that's interested in looking over this stuff, y'all leave me a comment or whatever. I will make copies of this and we'll discuss it. That's where I think as citizens, that's our responsibility. We want the police to treat us right. Well, then let's find out what they have in place so we can use our voice. I know there's more. I know there's a conversation going on. And let me say this. There's a conversation going on about defund the police. And everybody's like at... Oh, defund the police. That sounds so scary. Truth of the matter is, right? It, let me just put it in real plain terms. It, it's reallocating funds. And let me just give you an example of reallocating funds. It costs 20, approximately, probably more, but approximately on the books right now, it says somewhere in the neighborhood of $20,000 per year to house a uh, nonviolent offender. If you give that nonviolent offender $10,000 in workforce development, that's reallocating funds. That makes sense, folks. That's not asking too much, folks. So the word, I think we should stay away from defund the police and just say, use the word as what it really, really is. Reallocating funds. Okay. All right. So I just want to throw that in there. That was something that came up in our conversation. But police accountability to the public. To demonstrate police credibility and responsiveness and to guarantee citizens that their complaints are welcome and will be taken seriously. So that's the accountability that they have to us, that our complaints. To determine whether individual citizen complaints against officers are founded and where appropriate provide a basis for discipline or other corrective measures. To identify trends of wrongful conduct by officers. Trends emerge when an officer continuously becomes a subject of repeated citizen complaints, especially when none of these complaints can be individually sustained. Now, I asked, is there a way that we can kind of monitor that? And they said, yes, it's a public records request. So my next step is to find out how to that process, even though it may be very elementary to some of the real experienced folks in this space, right? There's people like that that we're asking to vote. We're asking them to get engaged. We're asking them to come protest. And they don't have the first clue on how to use their voice properly. So this is basic civics 101. Miss Russia, let me see. Yes, yes, ma'am. This is this is so important. Miss Russia, and if you want to get involved, I really welcome your expertise. And I know you bring a, a, a strong network of, again, sisters to the table. So Russia Collins, if you want to get involved, I'm so thankful for anybody just because the more the merrier and I want to get to like some some other stuff because we're talking about civilian review committees right and I'm gonna wrap this thing on I mean how long I've been on there but I want to make it kind of short and sweet tolerable so y'all don't get tired of me I'm gonna wear y'all out but again we're talking about the civilian review committee right but there's something out there that's so much more and I'm gonna get more in depth into this but I just want to I, I I don't want to skim halfway skim halfway in so I'm gonna just get out 
of the civilian and come back on another video and really break this down, okay? And not, not uh, you know, a month from now, but rather quickly while we're in this moment. But I just want to, I'm going to move to my closer here, man. But w the Civilian Review Committee is is limited by their powers, very limited, because there's a bigger entity in place, and that is the Fraternal Order of the Police. The police have their very own Bill of Rights. Okay, this is all stuff that came up in my conversation with Mr. Lindell Bright. He broke it down, but it was just too much to try to condense into a quick period of time. You know what I mean? So it just, uh, I, I'm, I want to take my time and really present this to you guys in a more... Uh, more in-depth manner. And it won't like it won't take us hours, but I want to spend a little bit more time. But the fraternal, let me just say this, right? In the in the midst of this climate, this is how you know how powerful the fraternal order of police is. In this climate, everybody is watching what they say. Everybody is watching what they say. Even the most mildest leader that we have, Donald Trump, is trying his best. When he's not being or not fanning the flames of racism, is trying to be cautious with his words. Because at the end of the day, even he knows that he need a little bit of black folks to vote for him, right? Everybody watching their mouth. Guess who's not watching their mouth? The Fraternal Order of Police. They saying whatever they want to say. And I believe they do whatever they want to do, folks. And a lot of the Civilian Police Review Committee is is limited because of the power of the fraternal order of police. So I just want to read this to you guys and I'm going to get on out your way, but there's so much we have to talk about. We will 100% follow up on a, uh, the civilian police review committee. I think we're going to do, uh, a, a, a group thing with that man, where we can all kind of just lend our voice to this. So we will follow up on that, but man, I want us to really start looking at the fraternal order of police. And when you have these conversations, right, when you have these conversations, whether it's with political leaders, whether it's with actual law enforcement, right? People are like, Whoa, it's a big battle. It's a big beast. So I think, I think a lot of the issue and the culture that we have in the police is going to be addressed when we address the fraternal order of police okay remember the old man that was pushed down in buffalo and his head was bust open he started bleeding right well those officers were disciplined right here's what the fraternal florida chapter of fraternal order of police told the disciplined and jail cops we are hiring a florida chapter of the fraternal order of police posted a now deleted advertisement over the weekend, calling on those officers involved in the violent incidents in Buffalo and Atlanta to join the ranks of local police agencies. So they said, hey, man, I don't care nothing about what y'all talking about with George Floyd. I don't care nothing about y'all push that old man down. I don't care nothing about y'all wrongfully killed that man in Atlanta. This is the Fraternal Order of Police, Florida chapter, folks, right here in our little area, in our little backyard, right here where we got plenty of people going to prison, right here where we... Been getting shot by the police since 1996 right here I, I, in front of my house. You understand? So Florida chapter, they said, man, listen, hey, Buffalo 57 and Atlanta 6, the Atlanta 6 just murdered somebody. The Buffalo people just pushed down an old man and he's in a wheelchair. He can't walk no more. But they said, hey, guys, 
We're hiring in Florida. Lower taxes, no spineless leadership, or dumb mayors rambling on at press conference. And we got your back. Law and order Florida. So what we... Everybody watching what they say. You got jokers in the White House looking cornered in the mug with African whatever you call it on kneeling, man. The fraternal order of police, they saying what the hell they want to say. Care nothing about what you can't breathe. I don't care nothing about none of that. So the fraternal order of police is the largest organization sworn of sworn law enforcement officers in the country, representing some 300,000 members across some 2,000 local uh, lodges. Critics say the nonprofit organization is, is a major obstacle to policing reform through their advocacy and deep ties to police union. Deep ties. Deep ties. Anything go too deep, go back to white supremacy. It ain't got too far to go before it be right there at white supremacy. So, again, police unions. And, man, this is very, very, very important for everybody because... This ain't a fight somebody's going to be able to take on by themselves. This is a we the people fight right here, man. Okay? All right. So they, they, they took that down. They, they took that down. And, uh, but again, they took it down after people called them on it. They were still bold enough to put it on there. Here's an article from 2017 uh, talking about why the fraternal order of police must go. A pack of rabbit animals. That's how John McNesby, president of the Philadelphia Fraternal Order of Police, described local Black Lives Matter activists who picketed outside the home of a Philly cop who shot black suspects in the back on two separate occasions. After the officer was suspended, the local FOP had a fundraiser for him with proceeds from the $40 per ticket event going towards the officer's living expense. So after he killed two people, shot him in the back, black people, the fraternal order of the police referred to the protesters as a pack of rabid animals and raised money for the killer. And do I have to say that he probably got off and probably didn't serve any time? Do I have to say that? No, I don't. Wow. So what we have to look at. Another Philly cop made headlines last year for having a tattoo of a swastika, an emblem of the Nazi party, and, and the head of the, the uh, Fraternal Order of the Police said, oh, that's not a big deal. A white supremacist on the police force in a day and age when black men, unarmed black people are getting shot down and gunned down, uh, swastika. It's not a big deal. We got to look at this, 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 this union, man. And I'm not running for office. I'm not, but I don't want to be messed up either. So y'all gonna have to help with this. This ain't just a conversation. I'm gonna jump out there by myself. But we got to look at it. We got to look at it. It's real talk. We got to talk. We got to look at this, man. So, man, there was something else very, very important in here. Let me find it. Let me find it. They got. Uh, the organization endorsed Donald Trump for president during the 2016 race and soon after the election issued an advisory for the new administration's first 100 days. So they, they, they endorsed Donald Trump and then immediately gave him a list of demands. The same thing that we 
had to burn, loot, scream, shoot, and everything else to get a list of demands, these folks gave them to the president instantly and, and, and had enough power that, you know, a lot of it was taken, he, he, he had acquiesced to a lot of it. The documents read like a wish list of everything a fan of violent and undemocratic policing could hope for, and the FOP got most of it. They got deep They got deprioritization of the Obama administration's policing commission recommendations. So President Obama tried to present some stuff that was reversed. They reversed the DOJ's ban on private prisons instantly. And guess what? Stocks rose in private prisons by 300%. A lot of people made a lot of money. What do you call that? That's slavery. Slavery. So, again... These conversations are now happening. We need to say it just like that. Listen, slavery's happening. What are you going to do about it? You want my vote? All right. So the return of civil asset forfeiture, the end of DACA, and the crackdown on sanctuary cities, y'all know, all of which aim to reduce the harm done by com to communities of color. This is what President Obama did. The Federal Order of Police demanded the president overturn all of that okay so again uh, let me see what this is highlighted here congress as well as state and local lawmakers could should convene hearings on racial bias in the fop and better understand an organization that operates with little transparency but is so heavily embedded in our system of po policing they're so heavily embedded but they have very little transparency. So while we beating up Mr. Lindell Bright and the Civilian Police Review and Chief Holloway and I'm not saying don't give it to him. I'm not saying give him a pass. But I'm saying, folks, the Fraternal Order of Police, very little transparency and heavily embedded in the system of policing. Additionally, civil rights organizations like the NAACP and the ACLU should target the FAU, FOP as a barrier to police accountability. Okay? As a barrier to police accountability. This is real and nobody's addressing this. And, 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 and let me not say nobody's addressing this. They are addressing this. They absolutely are addressing I got this because somebody is addressing it. However, we as the masses while we're protesting, these folks are under the radar. Ain't nobody said nothing to them, about them, for them. So uh, I'm going to get on up out of here, man. But let's look at that, man. And it's also uh, has never had any black leadership anywhere, across anywhere. So basically, this is an organized, to me, this is an organized mechanism to... Uh, perpetuate white supremacy like many of our institutions so we need to get to the root so I think the root of accountability it starts with us understanding our rights with our police department but it also has to include the power of the police union we need to have that discussion man I'm going to go ahead and shut on down here I'll be seeing you guys again a lot to talk about a lot of energy out there a lot of work being done thank you to all the protesters who made all of this possible. Thank you to all of the people that are out there working. Thank you to all the leaders behind the scenes. Thank you to our black women. I'm so proud of y'all. Thank you to all women, man. I see a lot of white women out there protesting. Thank you to all. Thank you to women, you know, but not to take away from this moment of black girl magic, man. Shout out to y'all, man. Uh, thank y'all for listening. I will be continuing to 
give you guys civics 101 and basic information as I get it. We'll walk through this together, but just know folks are out there fighting. Just know people are out there uh, pushing demands forward and going to make this moment count, folks. We have no choice. I'm proud of my generation. Thank you to the elders, and I'm especially proud of our children that are uh, using their voice in any way, shape, or form, man. I want to thank y'all so much for listening. I know I've been quiet, but I needed to hear, listen, give people an opportunity to, to speak, breathe, man. I love y'all. Thank y'all. I'm retiring. Captain Unity, my Captain Unity cape is retired. Hey, I forgive y'all. I understand y'all trauma, and I encourage y'all to get in touch with that, man. And until the next time, it is your boy, Matt B, man, coming to you live every Thursday, man. Listen, man, y'all, dream big, love more, pay attention, heal, man, heal, heal. Identify your trauma. Get in touch with your, your with your pain, man, and understand it so it doesn't always show up at the wrong time. Until next time, man, I love y'all. May y'all be beautiful, man. It's your boy, Matt B. Love y'all, man. <laughs>